the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. In this episode, we look at God's judgment, part of our God's character series. The main reading is Ephesians chapter 2. Our character of God we're looking at with, um, from our chapter Exodus 34, we've uh, read uh, the Lord, the Lord, God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love and uh, kindness and truth, who forgives iniquity, uh, but will not leave the guilty unpunished. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And again, as I said just the other, other Sunday morning when we're talking about what makes Jesus angry, we, we're so often reticent about talking about judgment and wrath and uh, we cower back from it but as we will see in 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 God's word it is so clear um, uh, the character of God Uh, he has to because he's perfect and he's uh, not morally indifferent Um, and of course judgment judgment and a man and wife were arguing one day and and the man says well uh, man has got better judgment than women men's got better judgment than women and she said, that's quite true. She said, you chose to marry me and I chose to marry you. Be careful what you say then, isn't it? Um, but judgment, and uh, as we look at this, uh, it is not unusual. You can go right back, well, we'll go we'll right back to Genesis in a minute. But um, right back to the second century church history, a man called Marcion came up with a heresy. He didn't like the Old Testament. He didn't like the God of the Old Testament. So he said, we're going to do away with that kind of God. Uh, little did he know it was the same God, of course, he hasn't changed. And then when he began to read passages in the New Testament, he thought, well, wait a minute now, we're going to cut parts of this out. And because uh, he didn't like a God of judgment and a God that is angry with sin. Um, and you know what? That, that's perpetuated down through history. Today we, we have an a, a, a idea of a Santa Claus God. Uh, that just wants to bless us, wants to give us what we want and what we desire. He's not like that at all. He's a good God. But if, he, if, we, if we had everything we wanted, we'd be spoiled little children. Um, remember Lot's sons-in-law? The Bible says when they said, come on, we've got to go. God is going to judge this place. What did they do? They laughed. They said, you're joking. You're joking, and that's we've got to be careful that 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 in the world, if you talk about judgment and, and you say everyone's going to either they don't believe there's eternity or everyone's going to get to heaven, and when you begin to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute now, God is a God of justice and righteousness, and He will judge. He has to judge. Oh, you're joking, you? Because it's in built into us, isn't it? Adam and Eve, remember Adam and the devil comes along. Genesis 2, the Bible says, God says to him, you can eat anything. Eat anything in the garden. Yet, one tree, don't eat it. So when you do, you will surely die. Devil comes along and says, oh, did God say anything about that? First thing she did was exaggerate God's um, uh, restrictions. He said, we're not to touch it. He didn't say about touching it, just not eating it. Um, mis- misquoted God's prohibition and 
penalty because she said, if we touch it, uh, we will die. No, no, no. You will surely die. See, we, we, we're over, we exaggerate what God says we mustn't do, but the, the, the prohibitions and the consequences, we are so, we take back, don't we? But let me tell you, when we look at judgment tonight, it's a fearful thing because it is certain, it is complete, and it is conclusive. There is no return, there is no second chances, it is complete. And uh, when we begin to just delve into this, we just grab a hold of our hearts tonight. And uh, that's why some of those men of old uh, would pray, as I told you the other day, Christmas Evans, through the night, in the cold winter nights, get a blanket, wrap it around him, and, and his wife said, come to bed, Christmas, come to bed. He said, how can I, when there's people still going to hell? See, we miss, see, what happens when we don't understand God's judgment and wrath? We become blunt in our evangelism, blunt in our passion. But we look tonight, and we'll just, again, under, underscore it with God's word. First verse, Abraham was there interceding. And uh, this is what he said, Genesis 18, uh, so you are, Genesis 18, 23 to 25. And Abraham came near and said, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city, will you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked, far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth be right? Listen to his verse. He's, now he's interceding with God because God says, I'm going to take the place out. He said, they've had enough warnings. They had enough. And he said, whoa, Lord, Lord, surely. And uh, we see that great intercession uh, that is. And it, it's based on, he said, will the judge of all not do right? He understood God's character was a God that has to judge sin because he sees the effect. And that's the problem, see, because we've, We've undercut sin, and we've 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 accommodated sin, and we've changed the name of sin. Don't we? We call it we don't call it, call it a mistake now, or or slip ups, or um, we used to, years ago we call it living in sin. Now we call it cohabitation, and we we we, we just drop those things down. We we use our language to uh, not actually see the severity of sin. Now Jesus saw the severity of sin because what did he say? If your right hand causes you to sin. Cut it off. Now we can, you can, we can use that like a metaphorical thing. But what he was saying, he said, it, "Be that severe with sin, because he could see the end of it." Um, so God is a God is a judge. God is the one who weighs up, di uh, discerns, separates, gives a verdict. How about these verses? Psalm ninety-six, ten to thirteen. Psalm ninety-six. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant of everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness.
pretty clear, isn't it? He rejoiced. Why? Because he's coming to judge. He's coming to make an end of sin. And when you see the, the, the pervading and what, what sin does to our world, what it has done to the world, you say, please, Lord, come. Please, Lord, come. Because you see the, 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 the downward spiral, which really, I mean, as we look at wrath in a minute, which is an outworking of the wrath of God on the land already. The Bible says that, that he's, he's already revealing his wrath on the land already. Um, but we see there, he will judge. How will he judge? In righteousness, in truth, in equity. It's not like our judgment, is it? No, no, no. Our judgment is skewed, can be biased, is one-sided because we only see. No, no, it'll be absolutely upright. And of course, back, back in the garden, when he said, you will surely die, um, he was true to his word. They were, everyone was judged. Man, got to dig the ground. Woman, you got pain in childbirth. Satan, you're on your belly. But you wait till the Messiah comes, you're going to crush your head. And they were barred from the great, beautiful Garden of Eden. They were set aside. Why? Because they'd already chosen to live away from God. God's judgment is, is, is self-chosen. Uh, we'll look at that in a moment. So God reveals himself as judge. Why? Because he's upright. If he wasn't, then he would be a, a God that is morally indifferent to right and wrong. And, and you would say to him, God, that's not right. Because we know the difference between right and wrong, and we want justice when things are, things are going wrong. And God says he will. He will. Now, we'll just we'll come over to um, the wrath of God in, in a moment. But remember, we say, well, that was, that, Dave, you, you're quoting from the Old Testament. But let me just say that part of Paul's preaching was about the judgment of God. And, 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 and so sometimes when we, we, we step back from it and the church may have, may, we, we love to talk about grace. Of course, it is all grace. And we, we, we talk about the love of God and, and all those things which are wonderful at the neglect sometimes of God's severe judgment. Let's see what Paul had to say. Um, Acts 17, 29, 31. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think of the divine being beside gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man who has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Sometimes we, we say, well, what, what, what are we to preach to those people who don't know the gospel? If you read um, Paul's sermon there, he starts with creation. He, he starts off with God the Creator, which is a good place. Um, he said, I was walking through the town of Athens, the city of Athens. He said, I came to uh, 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 an altar to an unknown God. And he said, I see you're religious. That's good. Because you're, you're, you're searching for God. But let me just tell you about the one that's unknown to you. He's the one who created everything. And because he created everything, we are answerable. We are accountable to him. And he says, I tell you who we're accountable. And of course, now God has, has entrusted judgment to Jesus. You say, why is that? Well, we'll maybe look at that in a moment. But you know, we will be judged on how we have received or believed what we've done with the only antidote, the only answer, the only exit from judgment is Jesus. 
See, that's what we'll be judged on. What have we done with God's offer of salvation? God's only exit from And it, people, will, when we stand and they see Jesus and realize they didn't do anything with him, they didn't put their trust in him, they didn't follow him, they didn't love him, there'll be no argument because they'll know. Um, and there's Paul, he starts out creation and then he's, he's right, it's the first time he's preached to these people and he's right down their throat, isn't he? Repent because God is going to judge. Oh, Dave. And so often we are reticent, aren't we? But that was Paul's go-to. God creator, God the redeemer, then you, you better turn to him. You better follow him. How about this? Again, um, sometimes we, we, we come out of it, we just read it, don't we? We don't see the context. That was quite a, 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 quite a bold thing to do in, those, in Athens, wasn't it? Uh, unknown people. What about this one? Uh, Acts 24. 24, 26. Several days later, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. I find it convenient. I will send fear. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bride. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. Now, me, Felix is, has his life in his hands, isn't he? Um, Felix, uh, they tell us, was a bit of a, not a very nice person. I think uh, one of the historians said he was crude, um, rude, and he was a, uh, and at the background here, this uh, Agrippa there, his wife, this, this was his third wife, and Agrippa had left her husband to come to him. So they were in a bit of a pickle anyway, and uh, now... Paul could have gone in and talked about the grace of God. And, but he comes and he talks about righteousness, self-control, and judgment. Dear me. And the Bible says they got afraid. Of course they were jolly afraid because they knew. Um, uh, but that's, that was the, the essence of their teaching. Why? Because you know what? We can talk about all the other things. And Martin Lloyd-Jones said once, really interesting thing. He said one of the greatest hindrances of revival is to over-preach the love of God or, or the preacher. And that's quite an interesting statement. He was a clever guy. He understood what he was on about. Maybe a lot of truth, in that, especially in today than in the past. But judgment. God, we will stand before him. Um, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of this. This what's going to happen. Uh, John 16, 8 to 11. Holy hands, you will prove the world to be in the wrong by sin and righteousness and judgment. About righteousness, because I am the way to the Father, where you can see me no longer. About judgment, because the prince of this world has time to condemn. Holy Spirit comes to convict, righteousness, judgment to come. That's his, that's his work. It is to convict us, to realize that in and of ourselves, if we stand before God without an advocate, without his righteousness, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Because the Bible says, we just read it, Ephesians 2, by nature we are objects, children of wrath. Now again, we don't like that word because uh, straight away, anger is, is to us, as we said the other day, our anger is impetuous, it's impulsive, it's um, impatient, not with God, of course. It is righteous, it is right, it is perfect. As we said the other day, it's judicial, and it's actually giving us what we have self-chosen. 
giving us what we have chosen. But let's say this. Judgment of God is an absolute certainty. Hebrews 9, 25, 28. Not did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. The way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with done that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once It is appointed for men to die once, no return, no reincarnation, no, this is not a dress rehearsal, and after that to face judgment. 2 Peter 3 said the presence, present heaven and earth by, uh, by his word are uh, waiting uh, by, for, for fire kept for the day specific of judgment and damnation and uh, destination, destruction of ungodly men. We'll read uh, Revelation 20 at the end. So it is an absolute certainty tonight. Um, something we don't like to dwell on, but something that we need to because it, it will cause us again to rise up and realize how awesome God is, bring a little bit of um, perspective to our lives, give, give, give us a bit more passion yeah, for, for, for eternity. And, and the Bible says, get a bit of purity into us as well. Because as we'll see in a moment, we will be judged as well, me and you. Not for eternity, but for what we've done. And that's interesting. We'll be judged from what we've done as, as Christians. Um, that's not eternity. That's, you know, the beat called the behemacy. We'll come to that in a moment. But absolutely certain. Listen to these verses about the wrath, the anger of God. Je uh, interesting, found in John 3, which we, we love those verses, for God so loved the world, but listen to that verse. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. Even in the middle of that beautiful verse, there's the, uh, the uh, essence of what we've been saved from. But listen, listen to these verses. John 3, 18, 21, 18 to 21, verse 36 then. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because they deeds to evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that he may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done to God. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. See, those verses are so very clear. Believe 
salvation. Do not believe, do not put your life, and you're already condemned. And that last verse there, if you trust in him, you've got eternal life. If you don't, the wrath of God is on you, remains on you. That is so clear. That's New Testament. We'd love to think, well, God, that's Old Testament. No, it's New Testament teaching. Why? Because it's the character and the nature of God. Without it, we say uh, he wouldn't be fully righteous, and he would degenerate into sentimentality, which we love, don't we? Always sentimental. Moral indifference would be an imperfection in a God of perfection. If he did not judge uh, sin and righteousness, it's the final proof, really, of God is perfectly moral. What about these questions? Can disobedience to a creator not deserve punishment? Can unbelief in our creator not deserve punishment? Can unbelief and rebellion towards Jesus who died for us not deserve justice? Well, if we were to sit down and really think about it impartially, we would say, of course it does. Of course it does. The God who created us, how dare we then turn our back on him and live selfishly, self-centeredly, ignore what he has to say, then what is, he, what is he going to do? Oh, well, I'll overlook that, Dave. You come in. No, no, no. You'll be most unhappy in heaven because you've, you've lived to yourself, wanted to live by yourself, and God says, okay, you've, you've self-centered. That's what you've chosen. And because God has given us free will, you see, we have greater accountability. See, that's why I think as someone was saying, my greatest fear is my own accountability to God. We're accountable. Why? Because we are willed people we are created in the image of God to be in God with God so it is absolutely vital so the wrath of God is so real let's listen to these verses how God judges in what criteria he uses that's interesting what criteria he uses and uh, we see the wrath of God um, the Bible says already playing itself out Romans 1 says the wrath of God is being revealed and in there, and he goes down, and three times he says he's given them over. He's given them over. And we see in our land, well, we see in creation the, the, the judgment of God, because the Bible says that the whole creation fell. So we have something called entropy. Everything is, is decaying, is getting worse, is, is degenerating, which is one proof that uh, God created is not evolution. It's going downhill. Everything's going downhill. That's the result of, the, of judgment because you will surely die and because we are the pinnacle of creation the whole of creation fell and so we have that seeing before us that's why he needs to make a new heaven new earth because this is going to die and when they say it's running out it is running out it's dying it's decaying but also we see a decay in morals uh, unbelievable isn't it that today um, that to say something is wrong how dare you? You are bigoted. You're intolerant. Yet to say something that is is uh, that is wrong, that is right, or right is wrong, you what? Unbelievable. 20, 30, 40 years ago, if some of us can go back a little longer, we would have said never, never. We would have we would have talked about marriage and and, and family life. We just would never have got like this. That any doesn't matter now. And 
gender, what's that? Male and female? No, 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 you can choose where you want. There's a hundred. Hundred? That don't even compute with my mind. I don't know where did they get that from, but what happens, it's amazing how, uh, you see, the creative ability of, of, of a man is amazing, isn't it? That we can come up with all these theories without God. And some of these scientists have produced some amazing theories of how we got here without God. Amazing, isn't it? Um, and, and so what that God's given us over, the wrath of God's given us over. And uh, it will get worse. The Bible is very clear. But we're still knowing that even as things get worse, the grace of God will much more abound. And he did say, I will pour out my spirit in the last days. So where is everything going downhill? There's going to be a mighty work of God as well. We believe that. Because he said, greater things than these shall you do. In the last days I will pour out my flesh. So Romans 2, Romans 2, 1, 2, 8. You may all have no excuse. You will pass judgment on someone else. But whatever point you judge the other, you are condemned yourself. Because you pass judgment to see things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things based on truth. So when you or me man pass judgment on them, and yet you say things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the pictures of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? But because of your sternness and your unrepentant heart, you will store that wrath against yourself in the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will come to be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and will reject the truth and follow evil, we will be both angry. That's pretty clear. He, you see, your stubborn refusal to receive the forgiveness and the goodness and the kindness is storing up wrath for you. And he said, it will be just, it will be according to truth, it will be according to the gospel. And how do we, how do we see that? Well, the Bible is clear, by your words and your works. See, and, and you say, well, Dave, I didn't think it was, it was a matter of salvation by works. No, but James is very clear, isn't it? That when you are saved, it will translate in your works and in your words. If it doesn't, you're not saved, James says, John says. If there's no change, you're not saved. So that's so clear. Our words and our works will be judged because they, they're, they're the acid test of our hearts. Where our hearts is, where our hearts are, who has our hearts. And of course, what did Matthew say? By your words, every word spoken will be judged. Why? Because that's a proof. Uh, Ephesians 5 says, look, this is how you used to live in immorality, idolatry, impurity. said, and uh, your words, let no foolish, stupid talk and profanity come from mouth. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming upon them. So it will be in truth, but it's very clear that God is a God that has to. Certain, certain, uh, comprehensive crucial that we understand it and of course as we said conclusive it is eternal 2 Thessalonians 1 8 to 10 
an everlasting description of the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be and to be admired among all those who believe, as your test because our testimony among you was believed. See the inevitable result of, of the incarnation, when we think about it, was man's condemnation. Now, the reason Jesus came was not for condemnation, as we know. Um, but the, the inevitable is because he was tempted in all ways as we, yet without sin. That inevitably condemns us. The judgment is not the object of Christ's mission. Of course it wasn't. Judgment is in fact the necessary result of it judgment is self-executed and follows inevitably from the revealed presence of christ because christ came he did no sin he had no sin he committed no sin he bore my sin yes but if i don't trust him and trust that the inevitability is why he came there's no way people say oh why did he, he died for a perfect the only reason was to take my sin with he died for that judgment comes when we re, we, we refuse that hebrews 10 29 31. how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the son of god on the foot who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace for we know him who said it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Again, clear verses. And he's appealing to their thinking. How much more if you trample underfoot the blood of Christ? That's what we do when we don't receive him. That's what we do when we put our trust in him. And, and that's why he said, when I be lifted up, all men will see. There is no one who does not know about Jesus, what he's done. And therefore, there was no recourse in them if they refuse it. He said, is it not right? And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Romans 11 says, consider the goodness and the severity of God. Consider both. Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. Hebrews again said, God is a consuming fire. Remember that we said the Bible is for our instruction. 1 Corinthians 10 says, remember Israel. Their history is for our instruction. Out of two and a half million, give or take, that came out of the promised land. Only two made it to the promised land only two made it a whole generation reaped what they sowed see the god is awesome now when we talk about us remember we, we talk about the beamer seat and we will be judged of course by what we've done and uh, what did he say um even some things we think we've done well be careful be careful because it has to pass through the fire and as we said before, that wood by you looks lovely, doesn't it? Lovely piece of wood, made lovely, but it won't stand the test of fire. And things we, we've, we've appeared good, appeared lovely, have all been done for ourselves, by ourselves, not, in, not for God, not by God, and it'll, it'll, it'll pass. 
That's why we need to be loving him with all our hearts. Why? Because everything we do in our own strength will, will fade away. It won't be any good. And that's what we want to, uh, to please him and to bring the glory of God uh, through our lives to him. Um, so we have God's judgment, God's wrath. Thankfully, the Bible is very clear, isn't it? When we're in Christ, there is no condemnation. When we trust him, when we look after his word, we look after him and look to him, we've passed from, passed from death to life and we come in, we don't come in to judgment. We pass from death to life. Listening to um, someone the other day and they were talking, uh, as some of these theologians do, about um, the, the different um, theories of what they call atonement, which is Jesus' death on the cross. And, uh, and, and one man said, well, you see, all these theories are all right, he said, because it, it, the, the cross has done everything. It's taken the wrath because they don't like, and, and again, some of these people who have veered off, off, off the track, according to word, they don't like um, the, 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 the teaching that Jesus took the wrath of God. God couldn't be angry. God couldn't be wrathful. God wouldn't, and it's, the, the, the word is penal substitution. God, Jesus took the wrath of the Father. It's called propitiation. He appeased the wrath of the Father. Can I say God is angry with sin because he knows the end result. He sees what it does. Jesus took the wrath of the Father. But it, much more, isn't it? He paid the debt I owe. He took my sin. He, he, he won victory over sin, death, and the devil. It, it, it's so multifaceted. But can I say, that's why he said, oh, God, why have you forsaken me? Because the weight of the sin. Let me tell you, when, when he was in agony in the garden, it was because not of the physical. The physical pain was just beyond our thinking, of course. But it was the fact that he would be sinner. He would be classed as sin. He who did no sin would become sin, would become sin for us. And all those, those, those wonderful things that come from the cross, redemption, of course, he, he was our ransom, victory. Bless the Lord. The wrath of God is now turned away. The debt is paid. Bless the Lord. Um, of course, we said propitiation and expiation. It's another lovely word. Removing the guilt, cleansing us. Um, doing a, a work in our hearts. Judgment of God. The wrath of God. God's heart. God's character. But, can I say as we said, it is certain. It is, in a sense, consequential from what we've done, what we've chosen. God will give us what we choose because we are free-willed. We are accountable for our actions. But ultimately, it is conclusive. And that should grip our hearts tonight. And as we read these last few verses, um, on that day of judgment, there's a specific time, a day, he calls it the day of judgment. There's a day where every man, woman, boy, it's, it's complete and it's comprehensive. Because let's read these verses and we'll see what it is. Revelation, right at the end, 20, 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne. And he who was seated on it, the earth was carried on his presence, and there was no place for him. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, 
and Conan thoughts. The sea he got the dead for doing it, and death and Hades he got the dead for doing them. And each person judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. See, that's one of the Lord's last words to us. It is certain. It is comprehensive. The Bible says everyone, both dead, great and small, will stand before the throne and the books will be opened. And if your name is not there, he says, it's clear, isn't it? And it, then it is conclusive. There is no return from that. Oh, help us tonight. Now, we love, we love talking about the lovely things that uh, make us feel good. But God is good. God is great. God is perfect. And that's why there's no more he can do. As we just said, Romans do. What, what, can you, what can I do? If you reject my kindness and my goodness and the atonement and the cross has done it all, there's nothing else he can do. Now, it is our job to make sure everyone knows to rise up again in, in uh, evangelism, the Great Commission, highways and byways, get the gospel out, give us courage, Lord, give us truth, give us your word. Um, and again, we come with the word of the Lord, be careful, with grace and truth, um, to take the gospel to those people that are lost outside of the gospel, outside of Jesus. So tonight, stir our hearts, Lord, stir our minds and thoughts again for eternity sadly we have preached a gospel so often that is for time god blessing us here and now but let me say the gospel ultimately is for eternity because our time here is very limited it's going very quick and then eternity will come and that's what really counts making sure people are ready and right for eternity help us we are family and that should drive us to our knees oh god help us i would not let him go god save those that we love, to save our village, to save our nation. In his name we pray. Amen. Bless you all. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.